Hello and welcome in to the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and oh boy, there's a few things to talk about. We'll uh, get into college basketball and a little bit of baseball in just a little bit, but there is some league news to talk about that uh, I didn't get the chance to talk about on the previous show because you know we me and john talked for well over an hour but there have been some changes to the north american league of legends structure and i want to give my opinion on them now this is even more wild than the Travis Gafford leaks from a couple months ago or like a month ish ago. It was, it was like right before it was like right before Thanksgiving that a lot of this stuff came out. It wasn't that like it was in that like two week gap between uh, worlds and Thanksgiving that all of this came out where it was just a whirlwind of news like Bjergsen's retiring. Oh, TSM might be sending order. Caps is or perks is coming to C9. Like this kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. But now it has all been confirmed. And boy, this is weird. So the spring split and summer split will still technically be separate. But the records from both will combine to form the seeds for the summer playoffs. Which makes... No sense. Like, at all. And I, I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not really sure I necessarily like that decision, but at the same time, like, Worlds is the tournament that truly matters rather than rather than MSI. And like your performance in the spring split will affect your seating in what is now called the LCS midseason showdown. And the winner of that is still declared spring champion, kind of. So it's kind of spring playoffs, but at the same time, it's not. <laughs> like winner of it goes to MSI. It, it's it's not but it's not spring playoffs and they're going to have this other thing called the LCS lock-in that is the beginning of the season. And it's a three week tournament. And the only real prize is a hundred is it is $200,000 essentially because it's 150 K to split between the five players. So 30 K each and then another 50 for charity. And so like, that's it because like side selection for game five of the regular season, if head to head is tied, that's it. Like, Oh, they get side selection in a potential tiebreaker game. Ooh. Like, like that's that's like winning the MLB All-Star game. Like, oh, your league gets home field advantage for the World Series, but only one team is going to win. But, like, only one team from each league is going to go to the World Series. So, for all the other players on that team, 
it doesn't really matter. And they don't know who. Like, that's the problem. You don't know if winning the World Series is actually going to matter. Because you probably have... Because, like... By the time baseball's All-Star Game rolls around, you have a pretty good idea who's good and who isn't. Like, you at least have a pretty good idea of who's going to make the playoffs. Like, the teams who are in playoff position when the Midsummer Classic MLB's All-Star Game happens are usually the teams who make the playoffs unless someone goes on a big run or someone completely falls apart. But like the teams who are in, in the hunt in July are usually also in the hunt in September. Just, you know, general rule. It's, it's only two months. And like, sure, you play every day. But for the most part, unless something catastrophic happens or just absolutely insane... The teams in the hunt at the All-Star break are in the hunt at the end of the year. This feels like, other than the other than the prize, other than the prize money, this feels like it. winning this thing means absolutely nothing. I don't know how much people are going to try in this thing because it doesn't affect your playoff seating at all unless you, like, go to a tiebreaker. Um, unless you go to a tiebreaker game at the end of the regular season, like, to determine your playoff seating, that's it. So I don't necessarily like this thing, but hey, it's gonna be it's gonna be something to draw interest. They're gonna play best of threes. <laughs> like they're gonna play like once you get into the actual like they're gonna play a group stage and then a best of three and then two different best of fives in the semis and the finals. Like regular season is still gonna be BO1, which is good. Like there's no reason to switch the regular season to BO3. There is zero reason to switch the regular season to BO3. Keep the playoffs BO3 and BO5, but do not switch the regular season to series because that's going to hurt viewership more than it helps. Because why do you want to watch, I don't know, pick two bad teams. Why do you want to watch CLG and evil geniuses who are both, you know, four and eight and three and nine as the spring half of the season is winding down. They're both absolutely terrible. Like, do you really want to watch those two teams play a best of three? No, you don't even want to watch them play a single match because they both suck. And you're going to get that, uh, that game, like a matchup that, uh, Captain Flowers always talks about on his stream where there was just, there was, like, no team fighting whatsoever. Everyone was playing super defensive. Like, there was no real fighting until everyone fed around Drake. <laughs> and he, he said, like, he says all the time, it is the most boring game he's ever done. And it happened just this past season. So hopefully we don't get that again this year. But hopefully with some of these format changes, like, I think overall these format changes are good. Because, one, a triple round robin in the summer split. That is going to give us a very good idea of who the best teams are heading into summer playoffs and later worlds. But this is this is pretty nuts. Like, these are big changes. The other one that I haven't even looked at yet, I will be honest here, is the changes to the amateur level. Uh, TLDR. Okay. Below are the first actions we're taking and they won't be our last over the long term. We'll continue listening. 
In 2021, we're creating a new tournament ecosystem where amateur and academy teams will compete against each other. Instead of academy playoffs and academy finals, academy teams and amateur teams will compete for the same goal. To rise up the new tournament ladder and complete in the final tournament, LCS Proving Grounds, where 16 teams will compete to be NA's best outside the LCS. Uh, to make it into LCS Proving Grounds, amateur teams will start a Tier 2 tournaments where they compete to earn enough points to qualify into the next tier, Tier 1. From there, they'll compete against other qualifying teams to earn a spot in the LCS Proving Grounds. Instead of starting their ladder... Okay. This makes sense. Including LCS teams, third-party TOs, brand sponsors, and... Wow. This is big. All parties may participate in the new in this new ecosystem, including LCS teams, third-party TOs, tournament organizers, brand sponsors, and amateur teams unaffiliated with an LCS organization. This new tournament system will be in addition to community-run amateur tournaments will continue to operate in accordance with the community tournament guidelines with direct, without direct integration into the Riot competitive ecosystem. Okay. So this seems like this seems like this is also possibly going to include collegiate teams. Heck, maybe not even collegiate teams. A minimum age requirement for all player signings: fifteen. Uh, player protection and parental consent rules for signing players under eighteen: good. Uh, only players considered NA residents: good. Get some homegrown talent. Uh, amateur team contracts may not be longer than one year and may be amended, but not renewed or extended. Amateur team contracts must end before free agency to allow amateur players to an opportunity to test the market and potentially find a spot with an academy or LCS team. Uh, poaching protections consistent with LCS rules. These are all good things. Uh, teams may negotiate trades and buyouts during the season, but amateur teams will not be required to transfer any player to an LCS slash Academy org. Uh, LCS Academy teams that circumvent the spirit of these rules good will be subject to fines required to release the player from their contract and will be restricted from registering that player for a full competitive year. We've also put in place a system that will be used to compensate amateur teams to develop talent for developing talent signed at the Academy and LCS levels. This, Oh my God. Yes. Yes. This is so good. You're getting, you're getting my live reactions to all of this. And this seems like... This seems like this is also going to include... Actually, let me click on the application link. Because I think this might include collegiate teams. Oh. That one's... Uh, the, link, the link does not work anymore. Okay. Hang on, let me, let me try that again. Nope, link does not work. <laughs> Good to know. But it seems like... It seems like any of the collegiate organizations, because, like, the collegiate governing, bo governing bodies are considered <laughs> third-party organizers, and Riot has their own, the RIAA. So, it seems like there's going to be amateur teams, like, um, I think it's called Upsurge, is where a lot of the, like... Amateur teams that are connected to uh, connected to orgs like like Hundred X, Team Liquid X, like those guys that that they play in, it seems like they're going to be considered part of this. This is really good.
This is a really good thing. It's kind of a mess, but for the most part, like, I really like this. Like, if you... Because think about this. Like, some of the Academy teams in North America are eh, not amazing. But you have teams like Maryville. Some of the other big-time college teams. Like, there are good collegiate League of Legends teams out there. And I hope this shines a light on them. Because I had friends in college who were part of Liberty's League of Legends roster. So, I know, like, what they go through. And hopefully Riot sees right through the CSL, the, the Collegiate Star League. Good God. Those guys are straight up awful. The, the CSL is terrible, and don't let anyone tell you any different. The CSL is a freaking joke. The Their full name's the Collegiate Star League. They are a freaking joke. Like, don't... Anyone looking to get behind Collegiate Esports, stay far, far away from the CSL. Deal with TESPA. Deal with Riot directly. Deal with anyone else. Except for them. <laughs> deal with literally anybody else. They will all do much better because the CSL can't do a thing. But I'm I'm hoping this ends up because amateur teams unaffiliated with an LCS organization. That sounds like collegiate teams to me. And like if everyone playing for college teams is over 18, they should be pretty okay. Like this is uh yeah, each academy team, each academy season will have ten games per week for four weeks, five games for the fifth week, and a single round robin best of one format. There will be no academy playoffs or finals. Instead, academy teams will qualify directly into tier one and LCS proving grounds, depending on their regular season performance. Top six go to LCS proving grounds. Uh, seven and eight go to the first tier one. Ninth and tenth go to the second tier one. Academy teams. May participate in Tier 2 tournaments outside of the regular Academy seasons, but they cannot qualify into Tier 1 tournaments through Tier 2. And there will be a cap of five Academy teams allowed to participate in each Tier 2 tournament. That's also good. All of these are good. All of these things are good. We're finally developing NA talent. Oh, it only took 10 freaking years, but we're finally developing NA talent. Thank you, Rito. Thank you, Riot. Good God. You needed to do this a long time ago, but I'm glad you're finally investing something into homegrown development because I know, like, Captain Flowers put it in perspective. The player base in North America is so small compared to everywhere else in the world, we will have to take on imports. Like, North American teams will have to sign imports, period. There's just not enough players in North America. And national average for a North American player, is like Silver 2. Silver 2, Silver 3 range. That's the average for a North American player. Most Academy players are high GM challenger rank. And professional players are mid to upper tier challenger. <laughs> so, big disparity there. So we will have to keep signing imports, but hopefully we can cut down on the over-reliance on them. 
Because if we're developing local talent and investing back into the scene, these are all good things. <laughs> Do more of this, developers. Do more of this. This is why Riot are one of the best. Like, I know they're owned by Tencent, and that's a little sketch. But, like, Riot themselves seem like they're actually doing pretty okay. But I am, I'm glad I read that. That's, that's actually got me way more excited than the changes to the regular LCS. Is the changes to Academy and integrating it with the normal North American amateur scene. Like, excellent job, Riot. Props to you for this. You did a great job. Especially incentivizing amateur teams if their players get signed to Academy or LCS rosters. Like, incentivizing the amateur teams if that happens gold like straight up gold because that's going to help with scouting because if amateur teams are still getting rewarded for their guys getting signed to professional contracts other than just the exposure of like hey we sent this guy to the lcs like they're actually incentivizing that so good i love that i love that change so, all in all, good job to you, Riot. I am I am very happy I read through that. But that's all I got for uh, League of Legends. Up next, we'll uh, get into some college basketball and some baseball with, uh, with a friend of the show and my co-host, Jonathan Holloway. That's coming up next here on The Mashup. Yeah, welcome back to The Mashup. And like I said... He is back. He is here. John is once again joining the show. I actually uh, hear two two times in a row for once in my life. Yeah, for once uh, getting both shows in the same week. Joining (laughs) to uh, talk some college basketball. We'll get into baseball in a little bit. But we were robbed this week of uh, what was going to be a very good game. A very... Very good game. Yeah. But while there is no UVA Villanova, Villanova will uh, beat the crap of one of their crosstown rivals at at 9 o'clock at night, right smack in the middle of primetime. Top 10 UVA will beat the crap out of crosstown rival St. Joseph's. You mean Villanova? Yeah, Villanova. Did Did I say Virginia? Yeah, you did. You said UVA. Nope, I meant Villanova. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, we don't have crosstown rivals in Virginia. Yeah, no. Um, no. There they're... are literally no colleges that are in the same skill level in the same city. There are are there even other colleges in Charlottesville? <laughs> no. I didn't think so. <laughs> no, that now in, in Philadelphia there are many, and they all hate each other. And uh, Villanova is going to play them instead, and they're going to uh, absolutely kick the crap out of them. It's a shame that this game will not happen in front of fans, because one of the first Villanova games I ever watched on TV was this game, when they were both a little bit more even, and it was in front of fans, and it was an awesome game. Yeah. And uh, one of the guys from St. Joseph's got a tech for flipping off the Villanova student section. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what sealed the win for Nova. Great job, guys. Good job there, dude. Good job. But Oh, dang. 
Sorry. Uh, the Michigan State game was actually canceled for UVA. Yeah, I saw that too. At least according to the schedule. The uh, the Maryland Michigan State football game is off this weekend too. Because yeah. Maryland's football team had another outbreak. Yeah. God dang it. But that's that's beside the point. Even though we were robbed of one good game this weekend, we will have an we will have a couple other good games on Saturday. The it biggest one Iowa versus Gonzaga. Dude one, Gonzaga's just murdering themselves. Yeah, Gonzaga is killing themselves in in out of conference. Like we've said before on this show, they have to because yeah. the West Coast Conference is trash outside of St. Mary's. Outside of St. Mary's and even then they are St. Mary's always puts up a good fight against Gonzaga though, but that's just because familiarity. Familiarity and proximity. Yeah. Like, I don't know if uh, they're they're probably not going to have... But that's the other thing. Usually St. Mary's only ever puts up a fight at home. Yeah. No, at Gonzaga, you're just done. At Gonzaga, you're, you're absolutely boned. And they won't have much of a home court advantage this year because... I'm thinking uh, just based on what I know of Washington State... There's probably not going to be people allowed in the building. No, I would. Yeah, there aren't going to. I don't think there's any people allowed in any indoor venue until we get the vaccine readily. Yeah, well, um, there's distributed. There, there's some that are letting people in, but it's fractional size crowds. Yeah, it's like family and friends. Yeah, and and, like and for public. college, they're letting like maybe a hundred students in yeah maybe a hundred like they're they're letting next to nobody in like i've seen some of the clips of liberty games on twitter and there's definitely people there a lot of it's media a a lot of it's like media friends and family and and i've seen posts it's like yeah we're out of student tickets like sorry you can you can watch it online or you can listen to the radio feed but we can't let any more students in so they're letting people in, just not a whole lot of them. And Correct. like and like half the seats are still um not folded all the way out. So they only have like the top section of seats unfolded and people using them. I think that's the most you're gonna see until at the very earliest, like the last couple of weeks of the regular season, if even that. I don't think there will be any in this regular season. Yeah, Personally. I, I, that's that's definitely pushing it. Like even end of the regular season is pushing it, but you never know. I just I, I would rather think about it in the way that um, you know I would rather I would rather think look it's not going to happen and then be pleasantly surprised than to think it's happened it's going to yeah. happen. And I'm then, I'm not um, I'm not holding out much hope like. I'm not expecting it to happen. Like I'm not expecting to be able to drive down to Lynchburg and go to a Liberty basketball game this year. I'm yeah. even less expecting to be able to drive down to college park and go to a Maryland game this year, just because the big 10 has said no. Like, yeah. like screw local regulations. Don't let anyone in. Correct. 
So I, I don't have much hope that I will be able to drive to either of my two teams venues to see them play in person this year. But I'm Can saying I- like in the off chance it does happen, it will be at the very end of the season. Correct. It'll, so be, like the, look- it'll be like the last two to three weeks of the regular season and any home hosted conference tournament situation. Like that's it. Yeah. I sorry, I just looked at the at the end of UVA schedule. So on February 3rd from February we, so we play February 13th, February 15th, February 20th. We yeah. play home versus UNC on the 13th. Oof. At Florida State on the 15th. Oof. And then at Duke on the 20th. Oh. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> I, just, I just I was pulling it up cuz I was curious to just look at the schedule and stuff. But given And then I saw that three game stretch. But given how not so great Duke is this year, the fact that they have already said we're not having fans at Cameron. I still it's that three game stretch, man. Like in a normal year when UNC and Duke are good and the stadiums are the the arenas are full, that would be a very intimidating stretch. Correct. I mean, it still is an intimidating stretch. Oh, yeah. But you get UNC at home. Like, and... UNC hasn't beat... You know the last time UNC beat us in... Uh, at JPJ? It's... I know it's been a while. Tony Bennett's first year. <laughs> oh, God! Something like that ridiculous. When was... How long... I know he's been there a reasonable Seven amount of time. Seven years? Because... No. Uh, no. I don't actually lo- know the answer. It was longer than that because he, because it was the same time, it was the same year Richie McKay left Liberty the first time. Oh yeah, because we we took him. Because he left to take the assistant job at UVA and came back six years to the day later. And they're welcome. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> I I remember this because it was my freshman year. I called it the punchline of the six of a six year long April Fool's joke because he left on April first, two thousand nine, and he came back <laughs> April first, two thousand fifteen. So the two thousand nine season was his first year. Well, you are welcome for making a great coach. Yeah. Oh, he was he was a good coach before he left, and then when he came back, he was even better because he learned. Yeah, how- because. Because yeah, he was because hanging out with Tony Bennett for six years and he learned the pack line. Yep. And and now Liberty is just a a clo- a slightly downgraded clone of UVA. There's not a slightly on that. It's just a downgraded clone. Yeah, a downgraded clone of UVA. Who that would it, yeah. Who no. plays in an absolutely ass conference. Yes. Y'all y'all would get freaking oh. hammered. Oh, they would get destroyed by half of the be, ACC at least. It would least. be hilarious. They could beat I, the. I do. I do. One day, want to see UVA play Liberty, just so Liberty can see how to actually play the pack line properly. Yeah. Because I don't. I don't. I. I think y'all would struggle to score like thirty. Oh, against yeah, unless they had like two years to recruit ACC level talent. Mm mm mm. Like, if by some miracle of God, Liberty gets an invite to the ACC, and then Richie McKay has time to recruit a couple years' worth of ACC-level talent, then maybe. But... (laughs) No. I love the current team. I think they're great. I think they're going to do great things. But those great things are 
consistently taking a crap on the Atlantic Sun, making the tournament, and possibly making it to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. Unless you get a 16 seed. Unless we get a 16 seed, which, given their strength of schedule, could very well happen this year. Yeah. Like, they'll probably be a 16 seed this year. Yeah. And then they could end up playing... Well, UVA is probably going to be. We're not going to be a one. UVA is probably going to be a two. I would. I don't ever want to be a one ever again in my entire life. <laughs> no, you don't. But uh, the actual the actual games this weekend, sorry. like underrated good game this weekend, is the. Uh, I, I'm assuming it's rescheduled. Yeah the uh, the rescheduled um, ACC Big Ten Challenge game between uh, Louisville and Wisconsin. A bad game. Too bad they're playing at the same time as Iowa and Yeah. <laughs> like they're that's why it's so under the radar, because if that game was it if they were like a double header, if that game was at like two. Yeah, it'd be great. But you have the two best teams in the country, in my opinion. Yeah, playing each other. Like probably I would say I would say the best team is Gonzaga. Best individual player on Iowa. Oh, by far. Like Groza is a freak. Garza? Garza. Yeah, Luca. I think? Yeah, I think it's it's Luca Garza, right? Yeah. Yeah, Luca Garza. Um, he is so a strange. He is a freak of nature. Dude is at I, I just clicked on it. Dude is averaging 29.2 points a game, and he is a center. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird name though. Luca Garza. It just yeah. sounds weird. Anyway. Oh, oh my god. He's and he's shooting almost 70% from the floor. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's, that man is, they're averaging a hundred and a half points a game. Mm-hmm. They're, oh my God, they're giving up less than 70. This team is 43 rebounds a game, 24 assists, 5.8 blocks, and 7.2 steals. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those hurt to read. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. On oh the my other, God, on the, that's going to be a, on, that's going to be a barn burner of a game. Yeah. On the other side, Gonzaga is at 93 points per game, 19 assists, 37 rebounds and 79.7 points allowed, but they've also played better competition. I think they have, they have I mean, def- they've only had three games because they've had COVID issues, but they've played Kansas, Auburn and West Virginia. Yeah. Three so it's not like they've teams. played no well Auburn isn't ranked. I think they I think they were when they played them. They they Oh they were, uh, not. were not. They were not when they played them. Yeah. But the Auburn's still a good team. Like Bruce Pearl is a really good coach. Yeah, yeah. Iowa has played uh NCCU uh South uh hold on. I need to see what some of these teams are. Cause I can't, I don't actually know the name, uh, the North Carolina central Eagles, Southern university, the Jaguars. So, kick, yeah. Kick Southern the crap Southern Jaguars, Western Illinois, Le- leather necks. That's a great name. That's a, that's um, a, North Carolina, Iowa state and Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois. Yeah. They've played practically no one other than North Carolina. And now, even then, even then North Carolina is, Massively overrated. Yes. Now, even then, they have kicked, is massive. They have kicked the crap out of all of these teams, though. 
Yes. They beat Northern... They literally doubled up Northern Illinois. They beat them by 53. They beat Iowa State by... Um, 28. By they UNC beat by 13. Western I Illinois by 41. Yeah. Uh, Southern by... Um, Good lord. Uh, doing, I would doing math here. Twenty-seven. Seven. Twenty-seven. And North Carolina Central by thirty. I would like to point something out here. So against Iowa State, Luca Garza had thirty-four points, three rebounds, one assist. Right. Yeah. He played seventeen minutes. What now? He was averaging two points a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, he's guess, not going to do that against Gonzaga. There's no way, but this is going to be a, no. this is going to be a barn burner. Like it's going to be, it's going to be an NBA game. Yeah. This is going to be, these two teams are just going to, good Lord. Thing is, is neither of them are gonna. The only thing that's gonna happen is if Iowa beats Gonzaga, they're gonna be number one. Gonzaga's gonna be number three. Yeah. If Gonzaga beats Iowa, they'll drop to like four. Yeah. Like if they drop gonna, at all. Yeah. Like now, if if Iowa gets absolutely just raffle stomped, they might they might drop to like four or five. But same with Gonzaga. Yeah. If they. If they keep it close and like if Iowa keeps it close and still loses, depending on drop. <laughs> like they might move up. Yeah. They might they could lose and move up to two. I would like to point out that Luca Garza is 6'11", 265. He's... And in that 34 point game, he was six for seven from three. <laughs> Mm. That's oh god. He is a total of hold on, I'm doing some math here. He is fifth he has made fifteen threes on the year. He is fifteen for nineteen. 15 for what now? 19. He's only missed four. From Five. three. No, six. Six. He's missed six. Sorry. So he's, he's 15 he's two for, he's two for He's two for three, six for seven, 0 for one, two for four, three for three, 0 for one. So he's 15 and 21 total. Yeah. Sorry. Math. Good Lord. And I just checked Baylor's schedule. They are playing Kansas State this weekend. So... They got an easy dub. That's a a free win. They're so bad. Kansas State State is by some miracle of God, three and four. But... Yeah. Baylor's next three games are all... God. Have a combined record of four and 17. <laughs> it's real bad. That is the combined record of Baylor's remaining opponents for the rest of December. They have Kansas State, who is three and four, Arkansas Pine Bluff, who's one and seven, and Central Arkansas, who are zero oh and six. 
So Listen to the end of Iowa's schedule here. Just um, this is the last thing I'm going to say about Iowa. This is their last six games. Okay. Sorry, seven games because I forgot Rutgers is good. Rutgers at Michigan State, at Wisconsin. Then they get kind of a break versus Penn State. And then they play at Ohio State, at Michigan, and home against Wisconsin. Yeah. The Big 12 is stacked this year. Yeah, the Big 10 is Or Big insane. 10, sorry. Like and they This is the first and only year I will say this. The ACC is not the best basketball conference this year. It's the Big 10. Yeah. The, it's the, not it's not close. The the Big 10 is easily the best conference this year because Duke and UNC have both slipped. Yeah. A lot. And like How many I'm looking up how many teams they have ranked right now. Who Sorry, are, one sec. Actually, I have the top 25 right here. Uh, the yes, only... so I. Iowa, Michigan State, and then Wisconsin away, and then Rutgers, Ohio State, and Michigan are all ranked. How many was that? Iowa, Michigan one, State. One, two, three. Wisconsin, Illinois. Rutgers, Ohio State, Michigan. That's seven. Yeah. And then, not to mention... The ACC, who has Clemson, Louisville, North Carolina, Duke, Virginia. uh, And Florida State. uh, Yeah, and Florida State. That's it. Which is still a lot. That's That's six. But they're all in the bottom portion of the rankings. Like, Florida State's the highest ranked ACC team, and they're ranked fifth, 15. The highest ranked... We would be a lot higher if we didn't lose to San Francisco. Just yes, so. yes. They'll probably <laughs> regain that rank once they prove to everyone who they truly are by beating the crap out of everyone else. Yeah, once we get our offense together. But, like, the highest ranked team in the Big Ten is ranked third. Yeah. And could very and well fourth. after this weekend be ranked second, depending on what happens. They have number three and number four. Yeah. Yeah. College basketball yeah. is absolutely insane this year, and I love it. The Big Ten is freaking stacked. We have which, parody. Which hurts me because Maryland is once again doing that thing where they uh, disappoint their fans. <laughs> A hallmark of the Turgeon era of Maryland basketball. I'm a Michigan football fan. Oh, so you, you you know this pain as well. Get everyone hyped and then uh, Big Ten play starts. Get yeah. everyone hyped by beating the crap out of some inferior competition. Like, Maryland's schedule through November. Old Dominion. The Naval Academy. Mount St. Mary's. You better win all those games. They they did. That was That was all in November. Okay, good. They they won them all convincingly. They they beat Old Dominion by eighteen. They beat the Naval Academy by thirty, and they beat Mount St. Mary's by eighteen. They won, they won all three of them by significant double digits. Then December happened. They played St. Peter's, the Peacocks, kicked the crap out of them, and then Clemson happened. Lost to Clemson. Lost to Rutgers. Hopefully they get a bounce back. Hopefully, Both are good teams. Hopefully they get a bounce back against LaSalle. 
but I'm not holding out hope because LaSalle is two and four, and this seems exactly like the type of team Maryland would lose to. And then Big Ten play starts on Christmas. Good luck. With Purdue, Wisconsin, and Michigan to kick things off. (laughs) Good luck. That's going to be fun. You're lucky if you get get a winning record in the Big Ten this year. Yeah. And then Indiana, Iowa, Illinois, Nebraska, Michigan again, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Purdue, Penn State, Ohio State, Minnesota, Nebraska, Rutgers, Michigan State, Northwestern, Penn State. Good luck. I don't know what, because Penn State's actually reasonably okay this year. They're not great. They're not a basketball school by any stretch of the imagination, but they're getting better. Because <laughs> they learned how to recruit Philly. Which is not good. Because, one, there is enough talent in Philadelphia to go around for, like, all of the many, many colleges in Pennsylvania. <laughs> there, there is enough talent in Philadelphia to go around for everybody. And if you can learn to how to tap into that and get the higher level guys... Oh, God. <laughs> Look out. But, yeah, Maryland's doing that thing again. Because they they just completely fell apart in the, uh, in the second half against Rutgers. Like, they completely... They were winning at halftime of that game. And then in the second half, they just completely fell apart. Okay, so out of the top 25 teams... So, I, I'm, I'm big into, like, the Ken Palm rankings and stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah, let me pull Opponent, up. Uh, adjusted strength of schedule. Number one is Indiana State, who is ranked 141, uh, uh, 141st. And then Sam Houston State at 302nd. And then comes Gonzaga. Good Lord. In in adjusted strength of schedule? I mean, uh yeah strength the strength of strength of schedule rating they are at plus 19.06 which is their opponents are going to uh have an average of 19 more wins than losses good lord the next team in the top 25 is west virginia at plus 12.29 yeah i i pulled the i pulled the i pulled the ken palm rankings up like if you if you look if you sort the Ken Palm rankings by by adjusted strength of schedule rating, there are a lot of lowly ranked teams <laughs> because they're just like they're taking a lot of uh, of paycheck games. Gonzaga doesn't take paycheck games because that's what their conference is. Yes, their their conference is. Their conference is technically paycheck games. Like, a lot of times, they're probably paying their opponents to play them. Maybe not, because they don't have much of a budget. But, yeah. Like, the rest of what? This is... How many are in, are in these blocks? Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, the, the rest of the top ten in adjusted strength of schedule are all well over a hundred except for Boston college who's 99. And then the next is 73 and 76. 
And then you get to Penn State at 45 and West Virginia at five. Yeah. <laughs> that's good Lord. That... That's what Gonzaga has to do. And that's the sad thing is that Gonzaga is such a good team. They should be in a real basketball conference. They really need to get the hell out of the West Coast Conference. I don't know who would take them because they don't have football. And I don't think the administration at Gonzaga has any interest. The Pac-10 needs to suck it up, realize that the that, that is their way to get back into the basketball scene is by getting Gonzaga and just deal with it. Yeah. like Because the Pac-10 used to be one of the top basketball conferences in the world because, or in the country because of UCLA yeah. and Oregon. Yeah. And – they just aren't anymore, and their way back is getting Gonzaga. Yeah, if 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 the Pac-12 let Gonzaga in, even as just an associate member, like you don't even have to let them in for everything else. You don't have to let their baseball team in. You don't have to let their soccer team in. You don't have to let anyone else in. Just let them join as a basketball-only member. That is a win-win for you because you know what you get. <laughs> You get access to the, the Seattle TV market. Yeah. One of the best teams in the country. One of the top five coaches in the country. You get uh, a team that consistently gets recruits despite not being in a big conference because yeah. they're just good. And if you, you... Did you think the ACC would sit around if Gonzaga was in like – Virginia or one of the Carolinas and let them sit in like the American conference. Like if, if Hell no, like if say if Gonzaga and Liberty swapped geographical positions and Gonzaga you was think, in Lynchburg. Yeah. yeah. You think the ACC is sitting around letting Gonzaga be in, a, in the freaking a son. Yeah. And like think sandwiched in between UVA and Virginia tech. That's, but, not, that's not happening. Like the geographic center center point between those two schools, basically. Like definitely the Close. cultural center point between those two schools. <laughs> Anyone who has been to Lynchburg knows that is true. Like once you're south of Lynchburg, you are in the south. Yeah. But but it's just like yeah, I, if I don't get it. If yeah, like they are they are in your backyard. I'm gonna pull up a map. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a map and uh, try to find where Gonzaga is relative to. Uh, we should gonna... probably get to baseball after this. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. But I'm, I'm gonna do <laughs> I'm gonna do this real quick. Where Gonzaga yeah. is relative to both University of Washington and Washington State. Let's see. Gonzaga University, East Moon Avenue, Spokane, Washington. Okay, so I have a pin on it. Where is... I'm just going to maps. Hold on. Yeah, where is University of Washington relative I'm doing to... directions from here to Washington State. Here we go. Yeah, they're... It's... They're right... They are across the river from each other. What? Gonzaga and Washington State? Yes. Gonzaga and Washington State... Washington State University at Spokane. Never mind. That's not the right... Washington State. The the one in Pullman's only about an hour and a half, uh, like the the big one, Washington, like Washington State, Washington State, is uh, only about a half hour. 
or an hour and a half, about an hour and a half drive down the highway. Now, University of Washington's in Seattle, which is a little bit farther away, which is about four hours. Yeah, University of Washington's on the other side of the state. But Washington State University is uh, an hour and a half drive. Yeah. So they are literally in your backyard, Pac-12. Honestly, Gonzaga's probably stealing recruits from Washington State. Gonzaga is stealing recruits across the state of Washington, period. Yeah. Gonzaga, sorry, let me rephrase that. Gonzaga is stealing recruits in the Northwest. Yeah, Northwest, period. Yeah, because they don't really have to do the international thing anymore. They've established themselves at home. They're getting they're getting the guys from Canada. I guarantee. They are getting the guys from Canada who are really good. Yeah. Pac, the Pac-12 needs to listen. They need to buckle up and get them in their conference, at least for basketball. Because yeah. I guarantee, again, if, 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 if this is the ACC, if this is, if this is even the SEC for basketball, yeah. if, if, if Gonzaga is located in Georgia or Alabama or Mississippi or Louisiana or, or anywhere in there, do, do you think the SEC is going to sit around and let Gonzaga sit there and wreck everyone? No. No. No freaking way do they do they do that. Like they would they would do whatever they could to get them in their conference. Like the I know they talk about like the big four. It's essentially the the big four or the big five if you want to extend it to the big twelve, and then the big six for basketball if you throw the big east in there. The Pac-12 is the most incompetent of the the six major conferences. Like, far and away. And they need to just get their crap together and invite Gonzaga as a basketball-only member. Because, one, Gonzaga would probably take that. Would. More than likely. Like, they have all the negotiating power here. Like... Because they're content to just keep killing themselves in non-conference and kicking the crap out of the out of the uh, the WCC. But what what do we know? We we don't run the Pac-12, but given this conversation, should. we probably should. Because uh, we could save that freaking conference from itself. But from one incompetently run sports league to another baseball they made news this week because Rob Manfred finally did something right in his miserable five-year tenure as commissioner of baseball this man finally did one thing right took him long enough took baseball long enough to finally recognize the Negro Leagues as on par with the major leagues of the time because let's be honest here, they were. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm here. Sorry. Yeah, but let, like, let's be honest with ourselves. Like, the Negro Leagues were on par with Major League Baseball when they were still a thing. Correct. Because, like, where else? Where do you think Jackie Robinson came from? 
They didn't just find some random black guy and say, hey, you're going to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers. No, he was kicking the crap out of everyone in the Negro Leagues. They realized, oh, wait, this guy's really good. The Dodgers signed him and history was made because he became a legend. Yeah, yeah, he did. And now his number is retired across all of professional baseball. <laughs> like, And we have a day entirely yeah. committed to him. Yeah, like there is a day in, in Major League Baseball entirely dedicated to him where everyone wears 42. Like, you know the kind of impact you have to make that even, what, over 100 years later? No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been that long. No. It's a, It's been a while, though. It, it's been, like, because I think it was in the 40s, right? What, when? When he, yeah. when he first signed with the Dodgers? I want to say it was the 40s. I'm Googling it. Yeah. October 23rd, 1945. Okay, so it was in the 40s when he, when he first signed with the Dodgers. So, that's... That's 65 years this year. No, 75. My math sucks if you couldn't tell. 75 years this year. So it's been almost 80 years. Like, to still have that kind of impact on nearly 80 years later, you have to make some pretty serious waves. They, they are finally recognizing all of the stats and accomplishments of that league's players as, hey, but I hate, I hate to tell you this. It's been 75 years. Yeah, I know. I, I corrected myself once I did the math. Oh, wait, oh, okay, sorry. I thought I, my, for some reason my brain was like 85. <laughs> sorry, continue. No, I said 65, redid the math, and then said 75. Yeah, yeah my B. Continue. No. I, I mean, you're right to assume I probably got the math wrong. Like, that's a thing. That's on brand for me. Yeah. but That's why we have Justin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> To make fun of us all for sucking at math. But yeah. they they finally they finally did that. They he finally did one thing right. Which is a shocker. Yeah, he's been commissioner for five years. This is the first correct thing he's done. Yep. So uh good job, Robert. You you get props from me for finally doing your job after five years you don't even want to get me started i'm i'm literally refusing to to talk about to get any deeper into this because i just well i can i can get into this because i i i, I tend to avoid topics at which i know for a fact that i am going to lose my crap because yeah, I want to keep myself professional, <laughs> and you know, and I know full well that I think Rob Manfred has the usefulness of a wet napkin. Yeah, pretty much uh, when it comes to baseball, and I think that he is basically a uh, an executioner. Yeah, because he's, he's going to straight up kill baseball. Like correct, the, it MLB, already is. the MLB draft league on paper is a good idea. Correct, on paper is a good idea. But he is completely, like, bending minor league baseball over and sticking a bat up there 
to make it happen. And you know, it's you know, yeah. I will say this though. The one thing that I actually this is going to sound really weird, but I'm actually the, the the only positive that comes from less minor league baseball is that there are less opportunities for him to test the electronic strike zone. Yeah, because which is the it seems worst like... thing since pass interference challenges. Yes, it seems like every team is going to have four affiliates now rather than five. Because the that's what the Orioles shrunk from. The Orioles shrunk from five to four. Yeah. And it actually, even though it, even though it screwed over one of the teams, like it screwed over the Frederick Keys big time. Yeah. Like they're joining the, uh, they're joining the draft league, which is good because I have never been there, but I have driven past it one time in my entire life. Like, Nimeo Field at Harry Grove Stadium, where the where the Frederick Keys play, is beautiful. Yes. Like, it is a beautiful minor league ballpark. I, I've driven past it, like, once. I've never actually been to a game there. And I probably will go first chance I get just to, like, support them now that they're not an Orioles affiliate anymore. Correct. But it actually, it actually shook up their affiliate structure, which in a way ends up helping me <laughs> because now uh, the lower, the lowest level, the, the team who was previously the lowest level, the Aberdeen Ironbirds who are about a 35 minute drive for me have moved up a level. Really? And the Delmarva Shorebirds who are like two hours from me have moved down. <laughs> so now the, the low a, the the low A team is uh, is the Delmarva Shorebirds. The high A team is the Aberdeen Ironbirds, and then the the Bay Sox and the Tides uh, stayed where they are as as Double A AA and Triple A. Gotcha. But the one thing that I'm holding out hope for is like if minor league baseball happens this year. And we can go to the games. And minor league baseball starts later than the major leagues anyway, usually. Usually. So that's a good thing. I'm holding out hope that maybe the guys, like the big wave of Orioles prospects who finished their first year in the system with the Delmarva Shorebirds, who at the time were um, long season A ball. Yeah will now come back to Aberdeen because it's the the higher level. It is the level they were previously at, but more than likely they're probably going to end up in Bowie, which sucks because that's kind of a hike. Like, Bowie is south of Baltimore. That is a long drive. Uh, and I'm hoping that maybe, maybe some of the guys will be playing for the Ironbirds this year and I can... I can go see them in person before they uh, before they end up at the big club, but I'm not holding out hope for that. I just hope yeah, that maybe I just hope that maybe some of those guys will be on the Ironbirds instead of instead of the Bay Sox. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Manfred is just completely screwing over minor league baseball, and from what I've seen. 
some of the other major league teams have not been as nice to the affiliates they're abandoning. Correct. And like, th- that's ridiculous. Like the Yankees, I think it was, um, it was either Coney Island or Trenton. It was one of their two. It was one. I think it was Coney Island. I don't. I. It was. It was one of their two, and they just completely screwed them over. Yeah. It was. It was one of their lower level teams, and they just like didn't tell them. Like they found out on Twitter that they weren't going to be a Yankees affiliate anymore. And I expect absolutely nothing less from the New York Yankees, but still, it's it's just gross. Like. It seems like the Orioles let the keys down pretty easy and said, like, they still want to, like, they still consider Frederick part of, part of Birdland, which is good as it should be. Yeah, that's good. And they want to keep working with the keys, even though they're not going to be a direct affiliate anymore. Like, they want to keep some kind of working partnership with the keys. Like, I can't believe I'm complimenting the Orioles for doing something right. This, this feels very out of place, but... Maybe I mean, this, I'm complimenting Rob Manfred on doing something right. That's true. Like in the in the same in the same segment, uh, we're complimenting Rob Manfred. I'm complimenting the Angelos family. So clearly, actually, it's more like complimenting Mike Elias. But he works for the Angelos family, so uh, I guess it is in a way complimenting them too. Which for an Orioles fan feels very weird. But yeah. Yeah, overall, still, screw Rob Manfred. That guy is going to kill baseball if he is allowed to continue doing what he's doing. Like, if he if he tries to bring in automated strike zones this year... Bud. Or keep that gimmicky, like, start extras with a runner on second thing. That's so dumb. Like, please don't keep that rule around. It's not baseball. I, I'm okay with a universal DH. Yes, I I am a fan of universal universal DH because I personally think that pitchers in the National League will then be able to focus solely on pitching and don't have to waste a couple hours every practice on hitting. Yeah, like I'm I'm 100% in favor of a universal DH. It, it's a little weird coming from us since we both grew up as fans of American League teams, so we have always had DHs. Play turn on universal DH whenever I play uh, baseball video games. Yeah, but it's it also it would also help American League teams because like three times a season you won't have to fuck over the American League pitchers when they're playing interleague games on the road. Correct. Like when when the Orioles play the Phillies on the road, like I know we just have a wasted spot in the lineup because our pitchers can't hit worth a crap. Even when the Orioles were good, like our pitchers could not hit. Because they're Amer- they're American League, they don't focus on that. Yeah, and it's like I I don't want like flashback to 2012 when the Orioles were good. It's like I don't want submarine pitcher Darren O'Day, who is an elite <laughs> bullpen arm, hitting. No. Like yeah, I'm I'm very much in favor of universal DH, but Manfred's other gimmicky rules like automated strike zones and starting the run. Starting extras with a runner on second. Just, just no. Just fire both of those ideas into the sun and never speak of them again. Like, seriously, just get rid of them. 
Yeah, but he's a wet napkin. He won't he won't ever do anything. Someone what some of the owners need to grow some balls and get rid of this clown. They won't. No, they won't. And it's it's going to destroy baseball. They also have the usefulness of a wet napkin. True. <laughs> but that's another story for another time. Yeah, that that's another story we'll get into probably in about a year when uh, they're arguing about the new CBA. Oh, God. <laughs> I just reminded myself of that. Yeah, let's not get into that. That's a whole other story. That That's... That that's a problem for next year. Like that's let's not even worry about that until this coming season is over. Correct. Like let, let's not even worry about that until it's going to be a problem. But that's what we got for these uh, double dip segments of the mashup. After this, I will uh, get into some of the uh, weirdness of Valorant and uh, some things an idiot said to a pro player on stream. We'll uh, get into all that next here on the mashup. All right, one final segment before we wrap it up and the JBL Quantum Cup. I know this was a week ago, but I, I meant to talk about it on the uh, show that ended up being on Wednesday this week. I just, again, did not have time. <laughs> but we're going to get into it now. And my main takeaway. <laughs> From this entire thing is that 100 Thieves and Sentinels is one heck of a rivalry that we should not overlook. Because Sentinels kind of kick the crap out of phase. Mostly. Like, okay, 1816 on Haven, but. So that was hard fought, but then 13 9 on split. Phase really needs to improve their game on split because uh, they're not very good there. Phase has been, or Split has been the bane of Phase's existence since they created a Valorant team. So uh, they kind of need to get it together a little bit on uh, on Split. But 100 Thieves and Sentinels, that is going to be one heck of a rivalry. <laughs> that is that is already one heck of a rivalry. Because 13-8 Sentinels, 13-11 100 Thieves, 13-10 Sentinels. Those are three wars. And, like, they were. And there was a lot of trash talk going back and forth on Twitter of, uh, of, like, quoting each other. Like, like doing the, doing the Mando Moff Gideon thing where they just threw the guy's words back in his face. Like, uh, I think it was... Was it Steel or was it Nitro? It was one of the two older guys who said, I think it was Nitro, said, uh, imagine a team that's been together since May not pulling that off when they uh, when they beat Sentinels in the uh, in First Strike. In, in the semis of First Strike, when they, when they beat Sentinels, I want to say it was Nitro tweeted that. And then when Sentinels won this match, Sinatra just goes and tweets the same thing and says, uh, and also makes fun of them for being old, which is great. I love that. I I am a fan of, uh, I'm a fan of like digging it, digging into these guys. Cause it's like, sure. He goes 30. I think steel and nitro aren't much younger. Dicey and Asuna, they are, they're both 17. <laughs> like, 
the the team dynamic on Hundred Thieves is so weird because you got these three like grizzled veterans, Hiko, Steel, and Nitro, who very much still have it, and then the two like young gun freaks in Dicey and Asuna. The uh, the, like they call them the Boomers and the Zoomers. It's perfect. I love that team dynamic. But sometimes when you lose, the older guys are going to get made fun of for being old. And you know what? That's fair. I'm all for trash talk as long as it doesn't get too personal. Because, like, Hiko calls himself a boomer. So it's, like, making fun of them for it isn't that weird. But, like, 100 Thieves and Sentinels is going to be a freakishly good rivalry. Everyone was talking about Sentinels TSM. Sentinels kicked the crap out of TSM at this thing. They won 13-1. TSM finished 1-2 in their group. Their only win was against Cloud9 Blue. And that was a 13-9 final. 13-1 to Sentinels. 13-5 to Gen.G. And if you take a look at what Sentinels did to Cloud9 Blue, it was uh, it was 13-3 in favor of Sentinels. So um I'd like to know what the hell happened to TSM. Like, Wardell has just not been performing up to his level at all. Like they're their map differential in groups was minus 16. They were 19 and 35. That's not good for TSM. They need to get it together. They need to get it together and they need to get it together fast. Like as a fan of both Sentinels and 100 Thieves, mostly 100 Thieves, like I like seeing TSM squirm a little bit, but I don't know if they, I don't know what's up with them, but they got to get this together. Because for a few months, we were calling them the best team in North America. Now they are clearly not. Now, this this was a secondary tournament. What is what is Liquidpedia? Liquidpedia classifies this one as A-tier. They, they do classify this one as an A-tier tournament. Was I'm assuming First Strike was S-tier, right? Like, First Strike, I'm assuming, was, was an S-tier tournament. No, First Strike North America is also considered an A-tier tournament. That's actually kind of weird. That That's actually kind of weird that that's considered a... Uh, that that's considered a, um, a, an A-tier tournament. But they... Uh, they finished third, fourth at that. They finished first at, at First Strike. Like, I'd... Much bigger prize pool. I, I'd honestly... Like... If I'm 100 Thieves, I'm taking the loss at, at Quantum Cup if it means winning at First Strike and you being declared the first champions of North America. Like, sure, this was an A-tier tournament. It was organized by ESL. Like, this was a legit tournament. It just had a way smaller prize pool than First Strike. And First Strike is the official Riot tournament, so that's obviously going to be a higher level. Like, Liquidpedia needs to add S-tier for official Riot stuff when you're categorizing Valorant tournaments. But TSM needs to get their crap together. Team Envy didn't do much better. <laughs> like, their only win came against Ninja's team, who also beat FaZe? 
One, Group A was trash. Because <laughs> 100 Thieves went 3-0. and FaZe Clan, Envy, and Time In. Ninja's team all went 1-2. and FaZe only got in on map differential because they were, they were minus 2. As opposed to Envy's minus 5 and Time In's minus 15. Like, Group A was steaming hot garbage. <laughs> like, Genji and Sentinels were actually good. Genji was 3-0, Sentinels were 2-1 in groups. Then Genji got stomped by FaZe. And uh, Sentinels went to war with 100 Thieves and were able to just blow right by FaZe. So that was... I, I, I consider the JBL Quantum Cup kind of the dessert after the steak dinner that was First Strike because it was, it was only eight teams and a four-team playoff as opposed to the massive, the, the massive undertaking that was First Strike with two different qualifiers and a full eight-team bracket. Like, that's... That's a much bigger deal in my mind. But this coming weekend, from the clouds to the skies, a Cloud9 Valorant Invitational. And there are going to be some good teams at this thing. FaZe, Envy, T1, Complexity, Renegades, and then C9 White, because C9 White and C9 Blue, because duh, it's Cloud9's tournament. And Mythicals, which is which is just Myth team. Do they have Do they have a roster? Do they have a roster listed for this yet? I don't think so. Doesn't seem like Liquidpedia has this uh, this Ross the the uh, the tournament online yet. It doesn't look like it. Okay, so I don't know who. Let's see if it's on Myth's Twitter. If he has announced his uh, his team just yet. Doesn't look like it. Okay, so he hasn't announced his team on his Twitter yet either. But I'm guessing... I'm thinking since they're called the Mythicals, it's not going to be just all of TSM. <laughs> it's probably going to be Myth and a bunch of his friends. Rather than, rather than TSM's full team. But the one thing I want out of this event, I want C9 Battle of the Sexes. <laughs> like, I desperately want C9 Battle of the Sexes to happen. I don't care how or when. Like, I need that to happen because I want the casters getting very confused because both teams are Cloud9. Like, that needs to happen. <laughs> like, sure, Cloud9 Blue and Cloud9 White are completely different teams and... Like, just say their names and you're going to know who's who. But... They don't... They don't have a fifth member yet. <laughs> oh, no. Because <laughs> they, uh... Because Shinobi left the team. They don't have a fifth member announced. <laughs> they better get on that. Yeah, Cloud9Blue better get the heck on that and announce their fifth member. Or at least have, like, someone announced as the fifth member for this thing. Because I forgot about Shinobi leaving the team. And now it's just Tens, Relics, uh, Mitch, and Vice with uh, James IRL as as head coach. Oh, that's going to be interesting. 
that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be very interesting. But I want I want C nine Battle of the Sexes to happen so bad. That's like the one one and only thing I want out of this tournament because it's just a team invitational. Like it's probably gonna be like considered a B or even C tier tournament. It's a charity tournament too, so th this one's not a huge deal in terms of like. Oh my god, this is a major tournament. But it's going to be some fun Valorant. Like, you're going to get good matchups out of all of these teams. But my god, I want C9 Battle of the Sexes to happen. Like, it has to happen eventually. If it happens at, like, a Challengers event next year or a Masters event next year. Like, I don't expect it to happen to Worlds because I don't, as they're... Based on their recent performances, I don't really expect C9 White to qualify. Just because there's only four teams getting out of NA and going to that thing, I don't think C9 White's going to be one of them. Like, C9 Blue is going to be hard-pressed to get one of those spots. So, I like if I had to predict it right now, I would probably say Sentinels, 100 Thieves are basically locks. And then it's between the two Cloud Nines, TSM, Envy, T1, Phase, and Complexity, fighting for those last two NA spots at uh, Valorant Worlds. So it, it it's going to be a bloodbath in North America next year, and I can't wait. <laughs> oh man, that that's going to be so much fun. That's going to be so much fun next year. But I'm hoping at some point soon we get C9 versus C9. Like, that needs to happen. Because I'm legitimately curious who would win. Because 10s is better than all of the girls on C9 White. But C9 White feel like they play better together as a team. Just a, just a thought. Like, they're a more cohesive unit that are more balanced. C9 Blue more relies on 10s just popping off. If I had to pick a team to win this thing, I'd probably give it to T1, honestly. Just because I think they've improved the most, and given FaZe's performance in uh, Quantum Cup left a lot to be desired. Same with Envy. I don't think... And same with Cloud9 Blue, really. I, I really don't think Cloud9 Blue is even going to win their own tournament. I don't think either Cloud9 team is going to win their own tournament. I think T1 will. But one more... One more ridiculous thing happened with Cloud9. And it was... Uh, it was Cloud9 White's... I believe she's their IGL. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's their IGL. Is uh, Was Mel member of C9 White was playing a Radiant game and had a dude ask, do you want to, you know, bone? He didn't say that, but I think you know what word he used. And uh, she called him on it and he said, I said, no, do you suck? Which, uh, I watched the video. It's not what he said. He did not ask, do you suck? One, dude, she's freaking radiant. <laughs> like, she is the highest possible rank you can be. There are a hundred, there are a hundred radiant ranked players in North America. 
100. They are the best 100 players in North America. I'm guessing if you can make it to that level, you probably don't suck. Like, you can get boosted pretty far. You ain't getting boosted to Radiant. Because if you come back to play on your own account and you are not a Radiant tier player and you're playing at Radiant tier, your butt's getting shipped back to gold or plat or heck even silver where you actually belong. Like, you're going back to like... Probably not immortal because guys who get boosted that far probably aren't actually that good. Like, you're probably sliding back to like diamond, gold... Silver, maybe. After after just a couple games in Radiant, because a lot of people crap on the uh, the matchmaking and the ranking system in Valorant, and it's not the best. It's not the best by any means. It's not great in League either. But my God, <laughs> how can you be so dumb? And it turns out this guy, uh, his name was uh, his name was Era, E R E R R A era and his uh his team found out about it because she was streaming like mel was streaming when this happened and she posted the video to her twitter and uh someone tweeted uh his team team mercari about it and they said uh like haunt doesn't play for us we're not taking responsibility for him but we've uh we've kicked era from the team He's not part of Team Mercari anymore. We have kicked him. And we apologize to Mel for what just happened. And yeah, that that's about what happens when you uh, insult a member of a major North American roster on stream where everyone can see and hear you saying this stupid thing. Like, this dude had it coming. <laughs> if you ask a girl in a Valorant ranked game, if she wants to have sex with you and then backtrack by asking the dumbest question imaginable, again, she is ranked radiant, the highest rank in the game. Asking, do you suck is the worst defense for something that stupid I could possibly imagine. Dude, you deserve to get kicked. <laughs> Not just for being a sexist douchebag, but for also being really freaking dumb. Like, you had that coming for also being really dumb. And trying to defend yourself and failing horrendously. So, uh, I hope you enjoy trying to find a new team, Era. You probably won't. But, that's what I got for this episode of The Mashup. Hope you all enjoyed Hope you all enjoy everything there is to watch this weekend. There's a whole lot. There is a whole lot. Between uh, between a lot of football, a lot of football, a lot of college basketball. Uh, if you're more into the esports scene, Valorant's going to have some good games in a, like, a less than major tournament, but it's still going to be fun. And that's, uh, that's all I got. If you enjoyed the show, uh, come by my uh, stream on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash darksniper1230. I will leave a link down in the show description. Come by, hang out over there. It's very similar content. It's just me screwing around while I play Call of Duty. 
And uh, more often than not, John's there too. So uh, if you like the insane banter we have, swing on by and uh, hope to see you there. But that's it. I'm actually done. I will talk to you guys, I promise, I promise, on Tuesday. See you then.